The Cannabis Hills Me Podcast, episode 81. You're listening to the Cannabis Heals Me podcast, where we explore the real stories of real people who have discovered the profound healing properties of the cannabis plant in their own lives. Find more at CannabisHealsMe.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. This is your host, Rachel Kennerly. As always, recording at the Storybook in Studios. Glad to have you here for our Thursday educational episode. Now, we're not doing these every Thursday like we were a few months ago. So if you want to make sure that you always get the latest episode downloaded to your podcast app, you need to go out there and click on the subscribe button. So while you're out there subscribing, I also ask that you would go ahead and give us a rating or a review. And the reason I ask you to do that is not because I need the personal affirmation, although that's always nice to have positive compliments about your show. But the reason I ask you is because we want to get these episodes out to more people. And one of the ways that we can do that is by the podcast app that you're using, recommending the show to other people. So if you go out there and give us a rating or review, that boosts us in the algorithms. And the more reviews, the more ratings we get, the more people will actually get this podcast recommended to them by the podcast app. So without having to spend a penny on ad advertising that helps us get the word out about the podcast. So while you're subscribing to the show, make sure you go out there and give us a rating or a review. And if you review the show, I will be happy to read that review on the air. And while you're in the subscribing spirit, go out and subscribe to our email list, CannabisHealsMe.com slash subscribe. Type your email address in, press the enter button, and boom, you're on our email list. And that gives us a way to contact you directly without having to worry about Facebook, Instagram, or whatever social media app that you might be using to see our content filtering us and not getting our information to you. So head on out to CannabisHillsMe.com slash subscribe and get signed up for our email newsletter list. Our guest today, Matt Grimshaw, likes to call himself an accidental activist. And what he means by this is that while he was studying to become an American citizen, yeah, he's not from America originally, he actually stumbled across the issue of veteran suicide and PTSD and decided he wanted to do something to shine a brighter light on the issue. Now, about the same time, he ran across an article about a veteran in Colorado who was able to reduce his pill intake from 47 a day to 5 or 6 thanks to this miraculous little plant called cannabis. Now, Matt's been a documentary addict from childhood, and he makes his living as a freelance videographer. So he talked to his client, Monster Gardens, about possibly doing a live grow show with a military veteran as the grower. A few months later, Matt showed up on the door of Al, a Vietnam vet in California, and spent a year teaching him how to grow medical cannabis. And he documented this journey for a documentary series called Vets Grow. Matt's got another project that he wants to start with veterans across the country in 2020, and he's coming on the show to talk about both the Vets Grow project and also this new project that he has in mind. Matt, welcome to the program. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for having me. How are you today? Oh, I can't complain. I mean, I'm not doing as well as somebody that's sitting in California, but, you know, not too bad here in Texas in November. I don't know. At least you're not on fire. That's probably <laughs> at the moment. Or have the power grid shut off. So so we're in that in that instance, we're doing real well. Excellent, excellent. Kurt Robbins, I had interviewed him a couple weeks ago, and he tagged me and you in a post. And I clicked on a link that you had posted in response to his tagging and saw a cool program that you're involved with or a documentary that you've created called Vets Grow. 
And I wanted to have you come on and talk to us about this documentary and maybe tell us a little bit about how it got started and how it all came together. Sure. Uh, happy to. It's, it's, uh, it's a, a weird story because uh, as my accent will probably uh, give you a hint of, I'm probably the wrong person to be talking about uh, veteran issues. But um, uh, the article itself is, I think, one that's on high times. I post those called an accident with activists because that's exactly how it all happened. So um, I'm an immigrant U.S. citizen who bumped into the issue of veteran suicide and PTSD while I was studying my civics, uh, study for my civics test uh, to become a U.S. citizen. Um, I've been a, a documentary addict since well, I was a very, very small boy. Um, and so now I have an ambition to try and make my own. And I was in the middle of researching what well, I'd watched just about everything Ken Burns has ever made. Uh, middle of researching that, and you can't really separate a lot of American history from that of its veterans, including you know, uh, uh, the, the VA from uh, the Civil War onwards. And uh, I stumbled into an article that talked about veteran suicide, which at the time was uh, believed to be around, I think, 22 a day. This is the famous number that went around a few years ago. Um, and it, it, to be honest with you, it, it was it was like being punched in the face because I've, I've always had a, a close affinity to veterans from growing up in London. Um, one of my neighbor's dads, he was in the 8th Army, a desert rat, um, and I'd always been around veterans my whole life. They were just, uh, I guess, the accepted norm. Uh, hearing stories about the Battle of Britain and all of the you know, daring do, minus the dangerous stuff, of course. Uh, I was very young at the time, but I'd always have had a, a, a reverence for veterans. And so finding out that veterans were, were uh, committing suicide at such, I mean, it's twice the national rate, was, was a real shock, but not as bad the shock as all of the other stuff I found out when, when I started digging deeper about the opiate crisis. We've got 60,000 veterans addicted. Um, uh, just just veterans in general, they're completely abandoned once they're uh, uh, transitioning out from veterans to civilians. And, and it's quite, it, it's, as someone that was going through the process of becoming an American at the time, it really stuck in the throat compared to the thanks for your service you sort of get at every football match or baseball match. Mm -hmm. uh, when the reality was, you know, there's a lot of people out there uh, hurting. And I mean, outlined by the fact that well, I think it's the, the, the numbers 25% of all people on, uh, uh, on the streets have served. Uh, and for men, it's, I think, one third. And so I've... Everyone else, you know, I've driven around the streets and seen a sign saying, hungry vet, please help. And, you know, you get very, very, uh, uh, I guess, used to that sort of thing if you live in a city like I did growing up. But it never occurred to me that that was probably legit. It probably was a veteran and it stunned me. So um, at the same time, I discovered all of this, uh, you know, going through the process of becoming an American. Um uh, I was also, I've been a freelance videographer for, for about five or six years. And I work with, um, uh, at the time I was working on running the Monster Gardens YouTube channel, which is one of the more well-known sort of uh, grow your own garden education channels with about 50, 55,000, 60,000 subscribers. Now, let and, me, let me pause you right there. Now, when you yeah. refer to garden, are you talking about vegetable gardens? Or are you talking about gardens for growing cannabis? Yes, it's cannabis gardens. So Monster Gardens were were one of the few people that was not destroyed in the great YouTube cull because 
um, they had always, they started, I think, in 2009, and they'd always avoided showing plant or, or being specific. It was just a channel about products and how they worked and how to use them and media. And then they would use other plants in place, you know, <laughs> similar genus to get around with that because they realized that, you know, uh, while it's Schedule 1, you're basically sticking your head up above a, a, a very big hole and asking for it to get cast off. Yeah. So they did that for years and years and years, and that was part of this story. 2017 obviously we knew that 2018 was coming um and it was going to be legalized and so they were talking to me for the first time about doing a real live grow show which they'd never wanted to do before for, for the reason of you know people getting kicked off um so uh i was creating a, a show a concept for literally me to learn to grow in my garden while i found out about veteran suicide and then I stumbled across another article that talked about veterans self-medicating with cannabis. And it's specifically, I've tried to find this article. It's actually a printed off article from, from something online, and I've never found the printout. But the article was talking about a guy in Colorado who, again, uh, who, who was on, shall we say, the, the, the right-leaning side of the spectrum uh, politically. And so didn't believe in cannabis as a medicine and, and looked at it as a you know, very spicoli type uh, approach to, to cannabis um, but he'd lost both his legs in an IED uh, an improvised explosive device in Afghanistan and after having his life saved and, and, and flown back uh, he was on 47 different opiates to control pain to control depression anxiety all of the other stuff and basically he he didn't seem to have any life, and he it, the article talked about the fact he'd taken his own life, and then and then someone tried to to uh, uh, suggest cannabis, and he finally agreed to it, and it was like one of the miracle stories you read about, and he'd gotten down to like five or six opiates, uh, and he could you know now live by himself and and function by himself, but the the caveat to that was he now had a sixteen hundred to eighteen hundred dollar a month habit. And for uh, someone whose parents are both disabled back in the UK, I, I grew up understanding what it was like to live on a very limited income. And so there's no way these, these veterans could possibly sustain that. Uh, with taxes being what they are in all the legal states, I simply thought it was, it was a, you know, uh, uh, give a man a fish moment, teach a man to fish. Yes. And so I realized that I had it in my power to actually do something about it. And this is, this is the reason I call myself an accidental activist. I'd, I'd, I hate to give the impression I went out there all, all with daring do trying to, to, to help. I, I was just bumbling along like a regular schmo and I just happened to bump into this purely by accident. And it, it for personal reasons, it triggered me and, and made me extremely active. Um, so I convinced uh, my client to give me the filming budget for a year and a whole bunch of other companies to give me a whole bunch of free stuff um, and uh, spent the next year teaching a Vietnam veteran uh, called Al to grow his own medical cannabis at home and, and the transformative effect that had on both both him, his neighborhood and, and my own transformation because I, I knew nothing about veterans going into this project but I dived all the way in uh, I had a medical consultant who was a, a Vietnam veteran, actually worked on the first Navy drugs program back in the 60s called Dr. Larry Bedard. 
Um, I, I bumped into all sorts of veteran groups, a, a group called Hardcore Security, uh, who actually transported the six clones from Harborside, where we purchased them for free. Uh, wow, well, that's awesome. To, to, to uh, Al's place in Santa Rosa, which was 70 miles away. And it's a, it's a company that's just 100% owned and run by veterans that transports cannabis around legal states like, like California. So there was all sorts of uh, interesting subplots and stories that went on with that. Um, and it, it just radically changed my life. And now at the end of Vetsgro, I tried to sort of get back to my regular existence and I, I've never been able to step away. Um, I had no real veteran friends before getting involved with it. And now half my friends are veterans that I have never even met. And they, they call me from Missouri and from Arizona and Colorado and New York and Maine. Across the country, it's connected me with a whole bunch of people that are extremely desperate. And so... Um, uh, to cut a very long story short, I'm trying to take the whole project national next year with a 20,000 mile ride called Take the High Road, filmed. will take about four months, um, and we plan to to have uh, me on my motorcycle, which, uh, if you watch the first season, will be explained. Uh, there's a lot of motorbikes in it. It's a weird plot twist, but I'll let you find <laughs> it. Um, but basically, I'm going to do a, a lap of the country on a motorbike, chased smoking a bandit stole with a big delivery truck full of a uh, hundred more of these vets grows indoor five by five tents um, and, and deliver them wherever it's legal and hopefully set up another hundred veterans with their own medical supply, their own YouTube channel as well to really try and get things kicked off. And along the way, the idea is to really just kick up a stink across the country, go to events, get involved with local news, harass politicians, maybe. Uh, awesome veterans to come you know maybe rolling thunder come and ride with me or something anything along those sorts of lines it's designed to be a sort of free-for-all to just ask if america will take the high road because it's an election year next year um we're in the most shall we say uh flexible political time <laughs> i've ever seen definitely in my lifetime where seemingly anything goes and i think it's a message that really america needs to sit up and, and listen to because i can tell you from personal experience if you think that uh, veterans are doing well here you're in, for, in america just because they've got the va you're in for a big shock i mean for instance only 18 percent of veterans even use it so there's a disconnect of mass amounts um, and I really should check that number for, for quoting it and getting beaten up with the V8. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's damn low. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to quote from memory here. So uh, if necessary, I'll let you know. All right. Well, we'll issue a retraction if necessary. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Um, but it's it's really this, this uh, I think one of the other things I'm, I'm working on at the moment is uh, uh, actually I would have talked to you about this offline is a, is a podcast to introduce civilians and veterans because the one of the side effects of the whole veteran experience um, um, I went through last year was realizing that America since since the draft ended in the seventies has basically created a military class and so those people that are veterans are either from veteran families or they're, they're if I'm honest they're, they're poor you know they've got no choice escape route for them and so as someone that was born and raised in the class system trust me the flags are waving in my head I, I recognize class systems when I see one and so I'm trying to set up some ideals whereby I can introduce some of these veterans that 
literally they just reached out to me from nowhere just because they saw this show and and we're just so thankful for for a civilian doing anything about it because most veterans i think a lot of the anonymity and, and, and sort of disparity between civilians and veterans the veterans just feel abandoned uh, because what i think most of them uh is an example this is an extreme example from a navy seal i spoke to who should remain nameless because has to um to get into the navy seals he told me well eight weeks basic which is you know what everyone in the military goes through and then i think 14 or 15 months advanced training and then he spent 11 years as a seal and then it was five weeks and he was back on the street mm. um, and that's a, a, that was a decent amount of time i've talked to people that's two weeks three weeks and they're basically there's no readjustment programs and no rehab programs they go from being active service to hitting an america that quite frankly if you've been overseas for a couple of years and you came back to the america you see now <laughs> what would your impression be you know uh the disillusionment factor is very very high well it's a, it's a lot like rumpelstiltskin because the technology changes so much things just the environment shifts so quickly now if you've been overseas for two or three years, you come back and the landscape is very different than it was when you left. Barely recognizable for, for a lot of these, 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 these guys. And a lot of them re-sign up and go back. But mm-hmm. it, 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 I've met so many different uh, ages of veterans now. And this is one of the other uh, big surprises from my perspective. Um, when you say the word veterans, it, it, it creates an image of a sort of singular uh, unified group. And that's far from the case. Um, Vietnam and uh, veterans tend to to stay around with career veterans, and then you have Gulf War veterans, and then you have the more sort of uh, modern Iraq and uh, Afghanistan War veterans. And they generally, I wouldn't say they fight, but they there's definitely some some barriers between them that I think are, are really it, it's one of the things I hope to try and solve at some point because there's a lot of lessons that the the older guys can pass down. I mean. Uh, one of the guys I interviewed, uh, who is the head of a um, uh, Sonoma group called Vet Connect, a charity, who was interviewed in the first episode, he's the first guy you see on screen. Rick, uh, he explained that it took him almost 30 years to even really get to grips with the PTSD he'd experienced wow. on what four tours as a Brownwater Navy vet. So he was basically apocalypse now, but for real. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's that sort of... Uh, experience that doesn't get worked out in a few days or a few years or or anything and a lot of the younger guys i talk to to be honest with you you can see they're they're on the road they're on a process to coming to terms with it and to healing so i mean really cannabis is is one shall we say tool in a a, a very large box that's necessary to try and help veterans come to terms with especially combat veterans but everyone that served seemed to have you know, traumas of some sort. I mean, for instance, uh, have you ever heard of the, the initials MST? Um, it's the military term for uh, military sexual trauma. And the rate amongst female veterans, I think, is 25% or 24%. Wow. Uh, and it's, it's the, the rate amongst men is unquoted, but it's there. It's just not really being talked about. And Right. It, it's one of these rabbit holes. The moment you start scratching, you can go down deep, 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 deep. And, and that's really why I wanted to try and bring a lot of this to the country's attention. Cannabis is just, it's a tool in the box, but 
we need we need behavioral therapy we need some sort of program that, that helps veterans transition back i mean we spend millions of dollars creating soldiers but next to no money helping them translate their the skills and, and you know experiences back into civilian life and really this is why you tend to find another character building of, of you know this military class of veteran companies veterans generally tend to work with veterans because they understand each other and i think there's, there's a lot of stigma that is attached to it the the i can tell you from personal experience is, is unjustified and it, it harms i think us, us as a nation of you know the, the ultimate mixing pot of of immigrants and and people with vastly different experiences being in the military is, I guess, part of the ultimate American experience when you fight for the nation. And it saddens me greatly that they feel abandoned. And that's the impression I got from what well, I still get from most of the veterans that I talk to. Yeah. Yeah, I've had several veterans come on to th- on the show to talk about PTSD and how cannabis helps them. And, I, you know, they, the ones that have, have come out and they're successful, they, they always emphasize the importance of building your tribe and building a community with people that have had similar experiences and so that you can, you know, they know where they're coming from. Their, their wife, who was, you know, here while they were stationed abroad, she doesn't understand what, you know, someone might have went through when they were overseas. But they said it's important to to really build your community and, and surround yourself with people that can, that understand where you're coming from and can help talk you through those experiences and those hard days. And I think that's the same. You're exactly right. And I think that's the same for everyone that's affected because uh, I was lucky enough, Rick uh, and his wife, Pat, I interviewed both of them for the show. So Pat uh, has PTSD for uh, her own personal reasons, but she was not a veteran, but she, they were married for 22 plus years, had two kids. And, and she was very, I think in episode seven or eight, she was very frank about the gravitational impact PTSD has, not only on the sufferer themselves, but the impact it has on everyone that's in close location, friends, family, uh, neighbors and everyone, because it, it, it has knock-on effects, you know? I mean, there's, there's kids that don't know their parents. There's uh, all sorts of... Uh, knock-on, uh, side effect, unforeseen circumstances that are caused. And, and these are real, real effects that, you know, create all sorts of issues further down the line. And they're generally just, I don't know, papered over with very, very thin tissue of, uh, uh, I don't know, solemnity or something. Mm-hmm. But it's one of the reasons I really do, I, since starting this, the whole thank you for your service is something I refuse to actually say. Um, I, he changed that to I, I, you know, if I come across a veteran, I, I thank them for what they've given to the country because that's especially combat veterans exactly what's happened. All the guys and uh, and uh, uh, ladies I, I've spoken to, they go as one person and come back as someone else when they go to a, a war, a theatre of war, and that's the reality of it. And it's it's trying to mitigate their experiences with. Uh, you know, those they're going to face back here and why they happened. Um, and it's something that takes decades to get through. So, I mean, there's there's a really, really good, uh, um, in my travels, I bumped into, a, as I said, a, a whole bunch of veterans. There's a wonderful gentleman called Matt Carl, uh, yeah. who I think had a documentary launched, uh, where are we, back to a week or two ago, called From Shock to Awe. 
uh, and he's into uh, uh, psychedelics and he actually takes uh, PTSD sufferers down to South America on vision quests. And it's amazing work. Um, and I think the bit, my biggest and most exciting thing about cannabis psychedelics uh, it is the potential here to really do amazing things um, uh, to help PTSD sufferers. I mean, uh, 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 Rick in, um, I can't remember which part of the episode I edited it into, but he said something very, very prosaic. Uh, this is the Vietnam uh, uh, veteran. He said, um, you know, PTSD is a very common thing. It's a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. And you can get that from, you know, a car accident or something violent happening to you. But the reason it, happened, it, it, it continues to manifest itself in veterans for such a long time is it's the repeated, repeated daily incidences of PTSD day after day after day to the point where they become commonplace. And they're just every day. And that, that's where it really becomes so bad for a lot of the, 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 uh, the combat veterans is, you know, the flashbacks and stuff. And so having something instant like can cannabis to help is, is, it's really, it's a small miracle that I'm, I'm glad I'm seeing in my lifetime. I just really want to help push it over the final barrier because uh, the major challenges facing veterans are the same ones chasing most uh, challenging, most medical users, you know, it's still a schedule one drug, which is stupid. Um, if we're honest, you look at the what schedules uh, the Schedule One description is versus what no cannabis to be—that's just insanity. Right. Um, the fact that you know they want to say that there's no medicinal benefits is is complete and utter BS. Yes, it's nonsense. I mean, you can go on YouTube right now and see people with Parkinson's disease that in 12 minutes can you know function almost regularly without any shakes and stuff. I mean, it's. It's not nonsense. I mean, we don't know how good it is because we're not allowed to even research it. Um, I mean, I had the, the, the wonderful luck in my travels last year to bump into uh, an amazing lady called Dr. Sue Sisley, who's uh -huh. working in Arizona on what was the biggest PTSD trial. I've only talked to her for a very brief period of time. Um, and even that was because she was friends with Dr. Larry Bedard, someone I uh, worked with. But her work is I mean, potentially groundbreaking. And I mean, this is the other side of the equation from the American capitalist perspective is America really should be the world leader in cannabis and, and cannabis research and hemp and all of this sort of stuff. And while we're messing around with this, the rest of the world's getting a jump on it. Um, and if we do want to bring an awful lot more jobs and, and, and commercial activity back to America, I can't see a, a a bigger riper fruit for the picking for America. So oh, absolutely, and and you know it's one of the biggest growing sectors in the United States, and I can't you know if we legalized it everywhere, it would just the the flood of of jobs that it would bring to the market, and most of those jobs pay higher than average. Yeah, there will be fallouts. I mean, obviously, sure. the pushback is the alcohol lobbies, and and but, I mean it's obvious what's happening in Kentucky where the the farm bill went through, and then suddenly. Um, all the tobacco growers could grow hemp. I mean, I could, I could almost see the the <laughs> the tobacco hemp transition, you know, cigarette marketplace happening before our eyes. Um, and I have no real problem with that. That's that's just people's, I guess, free liberties. If you want to smoke a cigarette and kill yourself, that's up to you. Same as drink to drink. You know, I see no difference between any of those. Um, but it's it's the 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 metered way or the metered way that that they're trying to stage it. 
that disturbs me because another of the big fears I have is that they'll reschedule cannabis to be a you know pharmaceutical only drug. You get the FDA involved, and that's going to muck it all up for everybody. Right. <laughs> well, uh, Doctor Sue, I think sued the FDA for, for supplying crap weed or something. I don't know. Yeah, what yeah, and I think she might have actually won that. The last I heard, she had. I mean, but but you talked about the amazing breakthroughs that she's making, and she's making that with basically ditch weed. That's so. True. With, and, and that's what, what really, really, uh, I guess, rubs my back up. So um, uh, I used to be in tech before I got into film. I was uh, a science publisher in, in uh, industries like computer chip and solar panel stuff. So I know how this sort of innovation mechanism works. And I'm telling you, we, we've got an opportunity right here for America to be the world leader in everything that comes out from it, from hempcrete to, you know, the the billions of polymers that are potentially coming out of, of hemp and then the pharmaceutical cornucopia that could come out of cannabis. I mean, every time I open up a science journal, they found another couple of hundred cannabis holes or something. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's obvious we don't really know what the hell we're talking about with cannabis and it really does need researching. So all of this is, is of course, the politics of our time because there's no way of, of making something that all of our leaders have told us is going to kill us in 10 seconds flat. Right. Uh, or was it, was it Dr. Phil said on Twitter yesterday or was it today? He said, uh, cannabis is like pouring liquid on your computer or something like that. Oh, it's some, some ridiculous reaper <laughs> madness stuff. It's uh, like, come on, Phil, you ought to know better than that. I mean, it's, it's obvious that, that, you know, pockets are being lined with conversations like this, but it's, it's, at the moment, it's gotten to the point where it's really silly now. I mean, there's just too much evidence out there. And it, it, it's it's now obvious what it is. It's just a money thing. It's just people trying to protect their yard, which I understand. That's free market economics. But, um, in but, the on meantime, the, but on the flip side of that, you've got people that are in desperate need of it for, you know, physical health conditions and mental health conditions. And then you got people that are that are guarding the trough like a dog on a manger and not allowing sick people to get access to this plant that they need. Right. I mean, that was the most asinine thing of, to me about the, the, the law that passed in 2018. Um, when, it, when it passed here, the only way they could get it passed was with a little side note that uh, didn't allow uh, free donations of cannabis to be taxed. Right. And so I worked with a guy called, uh, uh, well, he's known here as Sweet Leaf Joe. Um, uh, I interviewed him at a trade show and he told me all about this sort of story and led me down a whole different bunny red path. Um, and he worked tirelessly the whole of that 2018 and managed to get the damn law passed um, that would discount uh, you know, cannabis. And then the governor, just as he was leaving, vetoed it because he's he'd always been, Joe Brown had always been anti-cannabis, you know. And now, now it looks like the law is going to get passed by the, the current governor here. Uh, and that was going to help an awful lot of people. But in the meantime, I've, I'll be honest, it, we've lost people. People needed it have gone. Um, and, you know, the, the, the fact that they suffered more than they need, needed to really, really rubbed me up the wrong way. Like, you know, oh, absolutely. By the tail and just brush it down. And it's for no other reason than people's lack of understanding as to what cannabis is and the you know, constant 
propaganda program that every almost every government colluded with on the face of the earth to tell us it was you know the, the devil's plant for nearly nearly 100 years um, so there's a lot to be undone and i i my personal sort of uh, mission is 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 simply veterans and i find it's it, it's a simple way to look at it if we can help veterans everyone gets help that way so it's it's what I'm just spending all my time doing at the moment. And I, I welcome uh, you know, interviews like this and anyone that wants to talk to me about it. I've, I've had a, a rude awakening myself as I've just about anyone else that knows me because I talk about pretty much nothing but veteran stuff all the time now. Um, and uh, I guess I just need to uh, perhaps convert another 300 million Americans before we can make a difference. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, and uh, there's an awful lot of this very big country to go and see. So the simple idea is to go out and try and see America and, and tell America about it by, by physically going there. I mean, what the hell's more American than a road trip, right? That's right. Uh, that's right, especially Smokey and the Bandit style. That's awesome. Yeah, are you kidding? Funnily enough, it's it's. I don't want to spoiler alert for the final episode, but it it was actually Eastbound and Down playing on my helmet radio. <laughs> that sort of mind flash as I was riding home from the last day of filming because it had been bothering me. Uh, it, veterans have been. Um, Going into this whole whole project, I was super super nervous because I realised, you know, I sound like I sound like uh, mm -hmm. I, I'd, I'd been an American for approximately a month, uh, and and most people that I told the idea to thought I was completely stuck raving mad. Um, <laughs> I called four or five different veterans groups before anyone called me back, and it was a very local group. Uh, and that was uh, the veterans cannabis group here in Marin, a uh, wonderful gentleman called Aaron Augustus. Um, who uh, he responded. He said, yeah, let's talk. And, and we talked for about an hour and a half on Boxing Day. And he told me, sorry, this is a Boxing Day 26th of December, day after Christmas. And uh, he thought I was completely mad until I sent him a what three-page email with all of the plans and everyone I talked to. And he thought, okay, he is mad, but he's serious. And he, he helped me and the rest is history. So since that day, really... Uh, I talk to veterans every day. Uh, some of them are really good friends, and, and there are some stories out there that would just make your toes curl. Um, uh, you know, NCIS seen stuff like that. I've I've heard stories of you know drug dealing on basing uh, bases and all sorts. I, I've literally had had this sort of awakening moment, almost like of I guess matrix proportions, where when you when you finally open your eyes and you look around you start to see issues everywhere and you start to see how they're interwoven with american culture and american society itself and so really the veteran issue what there's 22 22 and a half million veterans in this country that's eight percent of the population uh, um and and i don't think most americans that are, you know at least first or second generation have family members that have been served somewhere or friends i mean everyone knows someone it's quintessentially American to a degree, but it's for some reason it, it, it's <clears throat> the military specifically uh, and specifically veterans have become uh, this perceived as this line item in an accountant's uh, budget um, when 
I've always had a very different perspective. Anyone that, that joins the military signs an sort of unwritten contract of I'll fight for the nation as long as the nation will fight for me, you know, should the worst go wrong or once I'm done, you know, it's the deal. I mean, obviously it's not as bad as the Roman army, 20 years, but it's still part of the bargain. And I think uh, the biggest problem I have with the current situation is, is literally it's a debt that we're letting American veterans down on. And it bothers me a great deal. <laughs> I've only been in America for two years, so... Uh, uh, I, 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 can't, I can't imagine it wouldn't bother anyone else, especially those that, that have people that are close to military. So that's pretty much my sort of modus operandi. Um, I'm just trying to, to create awareness uh, of both the fact that I'm, I'm a personal cannabis user, have been since I was young. For me, my, my connection into cannabis was through migraines, which I suffered as a, a teenager. Um, and, you know, I'd been exposed to uh, cannabis at a young age, just recreationally, you know, past the doobie, behind a bike shed sort of thing. Same as a hundred million other stories out there. Um, but it never made the connection until one day I, I, I got my trigger warnings, which is sort of fluttery thing behind one of my eyelids that I was going to get a migraine. And I happened to have a, a joint handy, so I smoked it and I didn't get the migraine. Wow. And it was a stunning revelation to me uh, and so I did it again and it worked again and, and for the next I think three to five years I did it regularly and it worked nine times out of ten and I, I, I'm not a doctor and I don't want to do the whole uh, causation correlation argument. I've, got, I've fact, got a disclaimer at the end so you're all good. <laughs> well, I mean, my experience isn't to be explained to anyone else but I stopped having them at 24, 25 years old. They just wow. stopped completely. I just never have had them any anymore. On the other side of the argument, I come from a family that are still back in the UK of, uh, to be frank, uh, walking medical dictionaries. Um, my mother's got osteoporosis and, and mycemia and rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, my sister's got fibromyalgia. Both my parents have got diabetes. And these are, my whole family is, is full of people that could be helped uh, by cannabis, I mean, insanely helped. It would, it would. I think it would, would up their quality of life a hundred and fifty percent. But UK, it's even worse than it is here. It's it's a complete joke over there because it's it's already been buried in in medicine and the NHS, and so they can stop people from get gaining their own access over there quite easily, and then pump it out through pharmaceutical companies like GW. And I've been in contact with. Uh, several uh, ladies and, and uh, an awful lot of parents over there who are trying to treat the, their, their kids for seizures and epilepsy. Yeah, I've um, seen because it's been, what, two years since it was legalized there and people still don't have uh, access to it? Oh, these people are selling their own houses. Wow. Um, they're, they're, uh, I know of several several wonderful mothers who are fly, you know, going to Amsterdam regularly and coming back with oils and stuff and getting them mm. confiscated. Uh, they march down to Parliament. I mean, uh, um, yeah, they're, they're amazing people. This seems to be a global fight now. And really, to me, it centers around uh, people's perception of cannabis. And real revelation I had um, from making Vets Grow was 
people's reaction to it as a live plant because uh, I'd been I'd been using cannabis on and off you know as long as I could remember um, in various parts of the world you know in Amsterdam and, and where it's legal in all sorts of places um, but uh, uh, when I moved here in 2003 was the first time I started bumping into like professionals you know, lawyers and salespeople and, and, and everyone was doing it, you know, under the shush. And, and it was almost like everyone knew uh, a military style uh, way of avoiding drug dete detection and stuff like that. And it shattered the image of what cannabis users were for me. I would break the Spicoli image, you know, the sort of Bill and Ted, yeah. you know, and all that. And it, <laughs> it, it's not that at all. It's professionals. It's regular people. It's It's just... It's no different to you know alcohol users or I don't know anything else that, that humanity uses, and so it's it made me realise that my own stigmas as a user had been used against me, and really it's it's the image of cannabis that has to change if we're going to really get change to be made, and and the live plant seems to be the best way of doing that. Um, the story that convinced me of this is is actually during filming. Um, it's really funny, so. Um, I ride a motorcycle to go and film Al at his uh, uh, his residence, and so it's a big, big, fairly noisy BMW. It's not subtle, um, and then I have to spend ten minutes unpacking all my camera gear off the panniers and you know, tripod off the back and stuff. Um, so it's a bit of a process, and it's it's obvious. And so the first time I, few times I showed up for filming, it got he lives in a cul-de-sac, so we've got people's curtains twitching and stuff like that, and then. We opened his garage up and built the five by five tent in his in his garage in open view and and you know the curtain twitching became almost uh, uh, <laughs> like a metronome. Um, <laughs> then when uh, the big the big white armored van turned up with the plants with the six clones to install those and then we had a problem with thrips and there was you know you could see cannabis plants from a distance through the garage doors and stuff. Everyone got really 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 interested. It transformed from merely uh, regular curtain twitching to the moment the bike would, you know, rum, rum and, uh, and turn up and I'd kick the kickstand out. Suddenly, the whole neighborhood would, would feel the need to go and take their dogs for a walk. Um, <laughs> very slowly past Al's place. Yeah. And after a, a few more weeks, it, it, um, it got to the point where Al had talked to all of his neighbors and they'd all ask questions and people started sticking their head around the door while the cameras were running. You know, they didn't want to be on camera, but they weren't afraid of it anymore. Yeah. And the most amazing thing was, was how people reacted to, oh, is that it? They saw, they saw it as a plant and suddenly it was like a, a, a spell was broken over them. Mm -hmm. All of the BS and the reefer madness and all of that nonsense just just seemed to melt away and, and half of them started going to the local dispensary um it, it, it and it really gave me a, a brand new insight into this it, everyone knows the other stereotype of the world the plant's such a healer man and you know this is what was interesting when you when your podcast came to me because it really is the plant is a a living miracle right not just as a a medicine but itself what it does to people when they have a relationship with it is quite remarkable and that's the most amazing thing you see with veterans Al was playing classical music for these guys he was waking up in the middle of the night to check on them i mean it it, it, it 
it was amazing uh, as, a, as a transformative uh, experience. And he explained it to me as, look, all the time, you know, all of us veterans are, are basically taught it's, it's all aggression and kill. And this is nature nurture. It, it's the opposite. And, and I discovered, I think, about two or three weeks into filming that this is an idea that's already popped up. I just seem to be the first person to convince a, a veteran to do it on camera. There's a group in, I think, New England that does it. Um, they call it cultivation therapy. And then I started bumping into all sorts of, you know, other ways in veteran cannabis farms and, and retreats that, that use cannabis to help veterans. And literally, it's, it's, I've got enough content now to fill a, a very big road trip. So that's basically the idea. Yeah, well, I know, you know, some of the veterans that, that we work, that have been on the podcast with me before, you know, because we're, a lot of them are in Texas and it's not legal to grow it here. Uh, and, and there's, you know, repercussions like you could lose your house if, if the, you're growing because they'll try and layer on charges and make it seem like you were trying to sell it as well, you know, but they'll have like, you know, a home a vegetable garden or, you know, they'll grow just flowers. But that seems to be so healing for them. So I can't even fathom if you were to show up and say, look, here's this medicine that you can grow for yourself, how much more special that would be. Right. And again, it's it's that relationship. Um, there's even a chap I'm working with out in Arizona, Daniel, who is working on a very innovative plan. Because there's also the one problem with with growing uh, is obviously you have to be physically capable. And I I've always had the idea of denying anyone that that has any disabilities, you know, the opportunity to grow. And Dan seems to have come up with a way of solving that by sort of a grow by proxy whereby, you know, they can grow and then have another veteran help them. And they can do it as sort of joint farm, uh, as long as it's on, in certain zoned lands and stuff. And so that's being worked on right now. So I have no idea where the hell that is. Um, but that's going to be on uh, the Veterans Cannabis Group Arizona chapter page. I think they've got a whole bunch of stuff there. But there's, there's innovative ideas coming out up and down the country. And I'm, I'm, the, one of my missions is to, if if I can get, you know, this this whole thing funded, and we're going to do a crowdfunder of some sort. I don't know how much it, it's going to be in December, so I'm going to be filming that, and and that's really why I started writing for for High Times. I reached out to them and and showed them what I was doing, and and then they just let me write. That's awesome, <laughs> remarkable experience. I mean, it's yeah, that's incredible. It helps to have had a, a you know 16 year career as a publisher because then I understand the lingo and get people in through the door but having the outlet is uh is great and it allows me to do a whole bunch of other stuff like potentially these these veteran civilian podcasts as well but the idea is to try and um i tried uh originally uh if you look at the timeline for the last episode of vets grow where this take the high road idea was first described i was going to do it this year um i was planning on just rolling straight out of what i was doing and just rolling straight into it and i spent Oh God, the first half of the year talking to an awful lot of potential sponsors that didn't pan out at all. Um, and all of them went exactly the same way. And that's how I know that 2019 hasn't been the best year for anyone in cannabis here in California is they all were talking to me. No one was scared about, uh, you know, funding or, or prices or anything. And then they all became black holes of email inboxes. You know, just the messages go in, they never escape again. Yeah. Um, well, the, the wreck seemed to put a damper on the cannabis market in California because they just regulated it to death. <laughs> oh, my God. It's part of this ongoing struggle wherever I've seen 
um, it become legal. The first hurdle, I mean, to be faced in Texas is to make it legal and to make it acceptable. And then it's the regulatory fight to make it fair. And I think that's is doing at the moment is going through that process because the taxes here are ludicrous and go up to 40 45 percent yeah i mean who could who what sick person can afford to pay 45 percent you know they get a little bit of a discount if it's for medicinal use but still but it's 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 on both ends of the chains as well i mean really the, the the unwritten story of the whole legalization of california cannabis is how much it's hurt the actual farmers themselves it's farms, farming, living things, veterans. That, that seems to be my whole drive at the moment. And, and uh, completely by accident. I mean, one day, one day I woke up and just fell into it and I didn't mean to, but it's been the most, uh, I want to use several swear words, but, but I'm, not kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding when I say it's been, been the most amazing experience of my life. Um, give, giving something back to, to a bunch of people who really, Veterans have, most veterans have given up expecting anything from civilians. And it breaks my heart to say that, but that's the truth of it. Um, and so when a, vet, you know, when a veteran or veteran group finally find, you know, finds a civilian that goes out there, my God, do they, they welcome you in. Um, like family. I, I mean, are you a veteran yourself, if you don't mind me asking? I'm not. I, I'm not. My, my dad's a Vietnam vet. But I have an appreciation for them because I feel like they're told you're going over to fight for our freedoms. And then when they come back here, they aren't even given the freedom to choose their medication. But I mean, I mean, for, for people like your dad as well, I mean, when they came back, they were called unhuman and spat on, and you know, all of it. I've, I've heard every story from most of the Vietnam vets I've met up in Sonoma. And that caused a very deep rift for an awfully long time. And at least it doesn't do that to its vets anymore. But at the same time, Time, there is this this impression in the younger vets of, of of just being used for political aim, and that really seems to run against an awful lot of you know what what veterans believe and uh, and really what what a lot of the civic teachings of America tells us America's supposed to be about is someone that's just dived down the civics rabbit hole with a eight month crash course of Ken Burns. Yeah, it, there's an awful lot missing from these discussions that, that seems to be just blanketed over again by the thanks for your service sort of thing and the flyovers and the hugging of flags. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm more interested in the back end now in, in trying to heal people with whatever means necessary, frankly. I mean, I've never been really a prohibitionist, but, you know, I've never wanted to go any, any, anywhere really further than cannabis in my own medical needs or what I want to do. Um, so I wasn't against uh, psychedelics and all that sort of stuff. I just wasn't for them. I didn't have an opinion on it. But after seeing some of the research and some of the positivity, I, you can't ignore that at all. And really, it, it, it just all wraps into this whole argument of, of we've been ignoring a whole bunch of plants around the world and, and an awful lot of research needs to be done by by hopefully smarter people that have been leading this for the last hundred years. <laughs> right. I mean, there is the research out there. It's just not U.S. based. And so a lot of right. times that it's just disregarded. Well, they didn't do it in the in the U.S. of A., so that doesn't count. I mean, you've just tapped into a whole other, I mean, I, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Larry, my medical uh, supervisor, I mean, he was, 
uh, he built the ER system here in Marin. He was uh, in charge of Marine General's ER for 22 years. And that what activated him was, you know, uh, the obvious racism whereby uh, uh, people of color here would always get busted for weed and, you know, <laughs> why it wouldn't. Um, also, the alcohol. I mean, he'd see... He'd see people drink themselves to death on a regular basis in ER, as you would. And in 22 years, the worst thing he'd seen with, you know, cannabis was panic attacks. And it's usually folks taking a, a puff of their kids' stash that they discovered, have a panic attack thinking they're having a heart attack and end up in ER with lots of doctors laughing at them. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's that, but not people drinking themselves to death and having liver failure or... or any of that sort of stuff. And so he came out of the cannabis closet in 2008 um, and is still on the, the Marine County Board of Health. Wow. Serving his fifth term. Yeah, he's, he's, he's Dr. Larry, is, uh, I've got a... Uh, uh, For sure in California, that helps. <laughs> it does. I mean, he's from, uh, he's from Michigan. Um, originally, he went to Vietnam uh, and then came back and once he, a lot of guys... Uh, uh, and girls that left the military stayed here because they would boot it out here. You know, Alameda was a big base just around the corner. And so since been shut down, but that's where a lot of them just ended up in. If you go up in Sonoma, there's a vast amount of veterans. And uh, the guys at Vet Connect, that's that's how they got started. They used to just walk around to parks and find find vets that needed food and feed them. That's how they got started. Yeah, and it, it, it took off from there. And Rick himself was a skeptic you know, until uh, uh, he was convinced otherwise. And really, it's, it's that magic. Everyone's a skeptic until they see the plant or try it for themselves or meet a vet or, or, or have some sort of first-hand experience. And so my main aim is to try and do anything in my power to facilitate those first-hand experiences. And, and my take the high road idea is really the best thing I can come up with that I think I can pull off. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be amazing. If folks want to watch the documentary, what's the best place for them to do that? It's on the YouTube uh, channel of uh, the client. That so so it was a joint production between myself. I funded the the edit myself by basically being poor for eighteen months, and uh, <laughs> gave me their filming budget, which gave me enough money to you know keep the lights on while I was doing it. Uh, so it's on their YouTube channel, which is very easy. It's youtube.com forward slash monster gardens or one word. Um, and then you'll see Vets Grow all over the place. But if you go to the YouTube search engine and type in Vets Grow, V-E-T-S-G-R-O-W, or just punch it into Google, we're starting to get prolific and, and pop up because no one else has got that name, thankfully. Um, and then you can see what well, I've written twice for High Times now. I've got several other articles planned. Um, as I said, this, this, this podcast, which actually might have some High Times articles written as well, I've had a couple more articles in Benzinga uh, that was republished on Yahoo as well, and that's talking about the idea of uh, you know if you if you want to help veteran uh, if you want to help make cannabis legal, help vets grow. But I'm open for any conversation. Yeah, if anyone wants to talk to me, if anyone wants a part of this, I'm everything I have done to date, the the whole of vets grow. I I literally just pulled it out of my behind. If excuse me French, I just <laughs> made it up as I went along. I don't have uh, set plans, much of some ideas of what I think will get the job done and, and a need for collaborators and, and, and other people of a similar mind like yourself who, who are trying to spread the word and spread education and, and turn this ship. Yeah. Because it is a big one and you've already started to see some 
stupid reefer madness nonsense coming back out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I've no doubt that the fight's probably only just beginning, but um, to, for me, it's, it's a fight that's pretty much over. It's veterans need help and uh, anyone needs uh, medical cannabis needs help. Veterans are just a, the best and quickest way, I think, to get us all there. So, um, well, it's it's a, it can you can use that to appeal to those that are more on the conservative or the right leaning side, you know, yeah, it, it, that's, because this is an issue that appeals to them. So, I, to, to me, it's even more of a, a, a for the money people. Really, um, mm-hmm. we started seeing things change in cannabis legalization when government types started seeing the huge potential of tax revenue. If yes. You know, and it, we live in a very capitalist society, you know, the capitalist society, should we say, and, and money talks and BS walks. Right. So the changes are happening because of the money involved. Now, I'm, I'm very aware of that, but my, the fear is that the medicine gets left behind and it just becomes a big cash cow for everyone. Right. Uh, yeah, and that's my, you know, all these um, states that are legalizing, they're not legalizing it because people need the medicine. They're legalizing it because they see it as a cash cow. Right. And then the patients are the ones that suffer as a result. And the black market still continues to thrive. I would see there's one area I would I would disagree with you on that. And that's because mm-hmm. I have personal experience. And that's the state of Missouri, because um, I spoke to the two uh, veterans that put together the law. And I don't know if you know this, but the Missouri medical cannabis law is the first law in the U.S. that actually gives a percentage of tax revenue back to veteran services. And, oh, wow. I think it's a range of two or three percent and veteran groups and, you know, they get the first chance on permits. They're allowed to grow their own there. They're allowed to grow six plants by themselves and they can. That's awesome. So they can keep themselves fully medicated there. And Mm -hmm. for the reasons I've uh, I've got an awful lot of connections uh, to veterans out there of all ages, all up and down the spectrum. And they're one of the, the, the groups that are really hopefully helping me me make this take the high road to reality because a few people from up and down their state reached out and and then i started coming across uh, there's a tiny houses community of veterans out there there's an open space community of veterans out there um there's two or three veteran owned and, and founded cannabis farms that are hopefully starting up this is originally i had concocted a smaller plan um, when it became clear that Take the High Road was just too big a chunk of uh, 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 of effort and cash to try and uh, get any sponsorship for this year, I already knew I didn't have enough time to do a Kickstarter. Um, I'd, I'd run out of money myself. So um, I thought of doing a smaller project, and this this was based upon these these new friends that they all of them just reached out f- from the blue. I don't. Some of them, you know, must have called called some people I know up and got my number, but randomly they just got hold of me. Um, and I'll tell you a little story about the fires in a minute from one of them, uh, just just to highlight what having a veteran friend is actually like. Um, and they all started talking to me about potentially doing a quick test ride to Missouri to check out the laws, because I've actually talked to the, the two gentlemen that got the law passed. And both of those stories, are I'm not going to we don't have enough time here, trust me, but those stories are mind blowing um, for, the, for the two gentlemen involved. Um, but very quickly, uh, Oklahoma went legal seemingly on a similar sort of model just after that. But I hoped it would be a template for all of the illegal states like your own to do the same thing because it is a very, very well thought out medical law. The only problem was the project kind of got slammed because uh, 
a lot of the good intent gets really kicked around and beaten up by the bureaucracies of all mm-hmm. of the states where it's gone legal, as you, I'm sure you're aware, in the process. And so they were supposed to get their permits in. I think the permitting was supposed to start in the summer. It got delayed. It got delayed. It got pushed back through to October, November. And because of this, all of the interviews I'd set up and everything I was hoping to do all just went out the window because everyone, they didn't know whether they were going to have a farm or whether they were going to get a license. And so it was all up in the air. That now, from what I understand, the licensing should have been done, and they should start to be should start to give out licenses uh, in the next, I think, uh, few months. But for veterans, I think it was October when they could actually get their medical card. It's a month to get your medical card, so you could apply in September, get it in October, and then you could grow six at home um, and uh, six in veg. And so I have a couple of veterans who I'm actually actively trying to find them some used equipment so they can set up their grows because the other problem is in these prohibited states there's just no infrastructure there you know there's no hydro stores there's no there's no nothing uh, and so i mean one of the problems that no one's talking about is okay your state's legal it's still illegal to take a seed across a state line where the hell are you going to get your genetics from mm-hmm. um that no one's talking about these sorts of interesting conversations <laughs> but they're there and and so someone's having to deal with them but really it's it's getting to the, the point now where it's almost farcical um because of the arguments you mentioned earlier there's no question about medical use it's obviously not schedule one there's there's no argument left for that i think that's been left in the dust it's just the political blowback and it's the lobbies you know it's the alcohol it's you know the, probably the da i would imagine as well because they'll lose a chunk of budget if they're not chasing that's after. right that's but, right it's it's this this is as someone that's been a very very deep studier of the american sort of uh, industrial and political system over the last 24 months um this these are very normal things you see this in the gilded age you see these political fights up and down the spectrum um they always happen but i the the key for me was uh i had a legal team as well a, a local um a cannabis uh, lawyer team who helped me talk about the issues with veterans. I mean, it, it's actually quite far spread because some of the stuff that no one's talking about that veterans are very concerned about is the right to own firearms. Right. Uh, yeah. Veteran I know has a gun, um, you know, either service related or otherwise. And a lot of the medical states are saying, uh uh-uh. uh. And to me, that's ludicrous because someone can wander into a, you know, an off license by, you know, six pack with a gun on open display half the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of people which is just, I'm, I've got no problem with guns, but, you know, guns and booze generally aren't a good mix. Um, every time I've tended to find, because someone always lets a, a shot off somewhere and ends up shooting something they shouldn't. Uh, and that's if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so, I can imagine it's, I, I have a, a very interesting eclectic mix of friends here in, in, in California. Uh, I'm sure it's very similar uh, in Texas, wherever you are. Uh, yeah, you know, guns are something that that Europeans don't really understand, and I didn't until I'd been out in actually Taylor, Texas. Uh, some some I had some ex ex uh, in laws out that way, and I'd never driven I'd never driven across something that flat and long. <laughs> but, again, coming from a small country of lots of rolling hills and countryside and rain. Yes, uh, it, it it was just this. Uh, change of idea of what ground meant and what distance meant uh, but that's a very big issue that the veterans are concerned about and it 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 runs into 
a lot of the you know current political events that are a big a big political push buttons for both sides so i don't know where all of it will go eventually um there's there's a lot of big conversations to have i think in in settling out because you know no one's got a clue what to do with the dui laws and that's something i want to talk about on the way as well i mean uh i, I had i've got all sorts of ideas about uh, you know, making a big deal about making sure I have nothing where they're nothing on the bike or, or with any of the crew will cross a state line from legal to illegal. But then there's the DUI thing, you know, I mean, it's already started to raise its head, but I'd like to, I'd like to talk to the police about it because they're eventually going to have to deal with it. And I'm pretty sure a copper doesn't want to bust someone for being a DUI that isn't a DUI. I mean, eventually most policemen that I know uh, uh, at least trying to reinforce the law of some sort. So it's just a question of how do we figure all of this stuff out? And it it happens really with conversations. So I really, really appreciate you reaching out, Rachel, and, and giving me this opportunity to just blather on for as long as I have. No, I appreciate it. I, I think what you're doing is amazing. And I, I'm, I 100% support the, the Vets Grow. And I, I think it is it is important for these guys to be able to 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 do that, to, to grow their own medicine and to, to have access to it, you know, let alone grow it, just having access to it in Texas would be nice without having to worry about becoming a criminal or being put in jail over it. So I, I, a hundred percent support what you're doing and we'll put links to the, everything you've mentioned today in the show notes. And then I'll put a link. We didn't mention it, but I'll put a link to your Twitter. Do you have any other social medias that you use? Uh, uh, I don't really. I try. I've got a Facebook, but I can send you a whole bunch of links. I, I perfect. Quit social media before I started doing Vets Grow, and then got back into it because of Vets Grow. So I'm I, I'm actually in the process of just finishing up a website with all of my stuff on it because everyone keeps saying, "Where's your?" There's no central place where my work is. It's scattered all across the internet. So um, I figured I'd, uh, as I've got into the habit of writing again uh, for high times, so I've. I've started to find I've got an awful lot of crap I want to say. So I thought I'd put together a blog and if I'm going to do a blog, might as well do a website. So that's why pretty much all weekend when you reached out to me. <laughs> uh, well, send me a link to that and I'll put that on the show notes for today's episode. And I've, I've got a couple of, of veterans that I, I know I can, I'm thinking of one off the top of my head that he owns a grow. So I may put you in touch with him. Maybe he can, maybe y'all can work something out. He's a vet and he and some other vets that I know are working on a documentary as well about veterans that are having to basically become criminals right. to heal themselves. Right. So that, that sounds like something that, you know, maybe y'all could absolutely I collaborate mean, on or, or cross promote or whatever. I would say uh, absolutely please do it as an open invitation give my contact information to any veteran you think might be interested. Everything okay. I've done has been uh, a collaborative effort. I've been the sort of gibbering nervous wreck of energy that's pushing it. Uh-huh. it. It changes a little bit with everyone that gets involved with it because I am, I am very much just a, a, a rookie narrator getting my hands dirty for the first time. Literally, I, I said that, didn't really have that many veteran friends over here until I started doing this. Now, and I even think I'm only on the tip of the iceberg as to how deep this can all really go and how bad yeah. it really is. And, and I've not even hit the bottom yet. And, and that's going to be about talking to as many veterans as, as possible. So, yeah, absolutely. New York, Massachusetts. I'm, I'm, if, if I'm going to pull off something as big as take the high road, 
Mm -hmm. One of the things I will have to do is have at least one or two veterans in every state to coordinate that state and find the veterans in the states who can do this. Um, I've already talked to companies about getting the equipment, and that's my side of the bargain is getting everything, but I'll need to find mm -hmm. someone willing to to do it, you know, and, and yeah. it, took, it took me three months to find Al. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, to, you know, try and find uh, 100 more across the country. I'm going to need right. help. So that's that's why the high times, that's why I'm, I'm willing to talk to anyone that will listen. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, if, you, if anyone out there wants to hit me, it's just vetsgro at gmail.com is the generic box to just hammer me with any questions. And uh, uh, the only side note and warning there is if you spam me, be prepared to get publicly ridiculed. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of very, very, very sarcastic veteran friends. Um, That's so, awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter yakking about this stuff all the all the time, and that's actually a very good place to find resources. But it, it's all about really educating as many veterans as possible, because even now there are resources for them to, and local groups all over the country, but mm -hmm. not very well coordinated. It is. You know, especially in states like Texas, it's underground for, for necessary reasons that I think are completely wrong. Right. Uh, and I guess the message from me to veterans out there is, is there are civilians that, that give a damn. Uh, and yes. we just need to try and, and uh, connect as many of us as possible and start putting together a united front to, to show the country it is a medicine. It, it yeah. can help and it's not to be discounted. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for your time, Matt. I will, um, I'm hoping to have this out next week since uh, Monday's Veterans Day. Anytime you want to talk to me again, I'll happily chat with you about anything cannabis related. There's, there's, I could give you a billion, billion stories, but thank you again so much for the time and, and uh, for anyone listening, thank you very much for listening. All right. Thanks a bunch, Matt. Have a good evening. You too. Take care. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. Show notes for today's episode can be found out at CannabisHealsMe.com slash 81. You guys go check out Matt's links and be sure you watch the Vets Grow documentary. And make sure you're following Matt on social media so you can stay updated on his project that's going to come out in 2020. We will be back here on Monday with another healing story. Until then, you guys have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode of the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or whatever podcast app you're using. Do you have a suggestion for a guest on Cannabis Heals Me? Send an email to podcast at CannabisHealsMe.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please do not take any information from Cannabis Heals Me or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments.